Today's episode is sponsored by... June is Audiobook Month. Join Viviana, the Enchantress of Books, and the Audiobook Lovin' series as she celebrates the authors and narrators who bring your favorite stories to life. Not only will this month be packed with exciting guest podcasts full of all things books, but stick around after each episode for some special information about this year's giveaway and more. Season 9, episode 20 of this year's Audiobook Loving Series. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting and welcoming back narrator Rob Brickman. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me back, welcoming me back onto the show. Yeah, we've been chatting a little bit before officially starting and uh, it's been fun. (laughs) You know, it's always catching up, talking about the grocery store, all the things we love, you know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, trying to make adulting fun because they don't tell you this shit when you're night, you know, you're 17 going, I can't wait till I move out and have my own place. Yeah, if my 17 year old self knew that, okay, when you're in your 30s, you're going to be so pumped to know the chicken breasts are cheapest here. And then you're going to bop over to that grocery store to get your dry <laughs> goods and feel so good about yourself. Yeah. Boy, would I have a, a different <laughs> opinion on the rest of my life. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> They probably would have been in shock. You're like, this is who I turn out to be. That's right. Well, you can't tell that stuff to your past self. Yeah. If you were time traveling, it's those are the sort of things that would break the time continuum. Probably. You know, at that rate, that, you know, we'll probably do something where these chains jack up the prices because, you know, someone said there was going to be less expensive at this timeline. They're like, yeah, no. That's, in, that, that's insider trading. You can't tell your 17 year old self that chicken breast is cheaper at Whole Foods in 2023 in Manhattan. Yeah, right. <laughs> <sighs> people are like Ooh, what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> well it's very nice to be back i'm honored that you you would invite me back to chat again oh absolutely um, just in case for anyone that may not have listened to the original first chat that we did together tell us a little bit about yourself how long you've been narrating and how you got started sure so i believe my first book uh was in 2019 uh i am a, an actor by trade and education been performing professionally for over 10 years uh, all up and down the east coast and uh, I found my way into audiobooks. Uh, a friend and uh, also a narrator, Sarah Naughton, she was like, "Oh, you should, you should, you should try this. Uh, instead of working a million side jobs, this is a fun way to make some money and also get to perform." And so I started doing just one book, two books a year, uh, as I was sort of building my booth at home, going from the closet to a little plastic tub to building my first booth out of doors I found on the street and all the way evolving to my sweet little prefab ISO booth that I'm in now. Um, but it, uh, it, it, it changed into something that became a full-time endeavor over the pandemic. Uh, I was uh, in Stomp, this show in New York, New York before the pandemic, and then all the theaters shut down. And I had a little back surgery, which was fun. And I decided to in my new time, <clears throat> spend it in audiobooks and see how much I could throw into it. And I, it was like, you know, lifting up a rock and seeing into the Feywild. It was, I fell in love and found a route into something that could potentially be a future and a career. And uh, the community began to blossom and friends began to blossom. Work started coming. And this is now something that I'm very proud to be very deeply entrenched in. Yeah, it's been fun seeing that because I remember when I first met you online, I was like, why are people not hiring you more? <laughs> How do they not know baby. about you? I'm a wee baby. They... Yeah, and I'm like, we're going to fix that. 
<laughs> and you helped to fix that. I, I'm greatly appreciative to you having me on the show and, mm -hmm. you know, helping me through my little toddler steps. Yeah, no, it was a, that was a little bit more selfish. I just wanted to hang out with you. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, anytime. So nice that, you know, people were like, who is that? I'm like, that's, you don't know Rob? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. The amount of calls I got were, okay, let's just reality checks, not calls anymore. DMs. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. The amount of DMs I got were like, hey, that, that narrative that you, that we just published, I'm like, mm-hmm. I was just like, wait for it. I'm like, yeah. They're like, he has a nice, smooth sounding voice. I go, yeah, you think so? No oh, shit, well, Sherlock. <laughs> I was like, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's been a whirlwind and uh, for you started and your career has blossomed and you're doing a bunch of different things. Your your social media was always fun, by the way. <laughs> if you guys are not following him on social, it's hilarious. He does all these. You're still doing those warm ups, a la singing and, uh, and you know, <laughs> yes, that's very kind of you. I, I, if I make myself laugh, I try to record it and put it mm -hmm. up there as often as I can. Yeah, no, it's always great. Like sometimes when you're you're having one of those days. I know I do. I'm like, Ugh, people you say sometimes <laughs> as if it's not at least once during every day of my life. <laughs> right. Um, but then I'm like, I need to like perk up or something because I need to people again or whatever. I'm just like, I'm not in the mood to be in these trenches. And I'm like. See if Rob posted something funny. You're right now, oh. I'm like, oh, there it is. Thanks, my smile. <laughs> I got you. I got you. But tell us, a little, what have you been doing since uh, the last time you and I spoke? Because you've gotten a couple of shows and all this yeah. stuff. People are getting back to quote unquote normal. <laughs> I know things are getting back to to normal. I mean, the theater scene in in New York is is coming back. Uh, it's mm -hmm. coming back in in a really big way. I am. I'm about to start. I've been in rehearsals for the last month and a half for an immersive production of The Great Gatsby, actually. Mm -hmm. And we are opening at the end of June, and it's an open-ended run, so it should be running for as long as they'll have us there. They renovated this 16,000-foot ballroom in the Park Central Hotel, this place right south of Central Park. And uh, <clears throat> it's going to be really exciting. We're going to be doing the story of The Great Gatsby uh, immersively and mm -hmm. pulling people into rooms and I get to be Nick Carraway, which is a, a, a huge honor to to fill those shoes. A character that I studied, I mean, that we all studied. Mm -hmm. was, uh, there's something about this story, The Great Gatsby. I was talking to uh, my wife yesterday about it, actually. And she had, she said something that really blew my mind. We were talking about, you know, myth and sort of, sort of human mythos. And in a way, like, the story of the great Gatsby has become part of the mythos of the roaring twenties. I feel for a lot of people, uh, when they think of the twenties, the, you know, the great Gatsby, the story of F Scott Fitzgerald's story and writing comes into mind. And, you know, what is the myth other than a story that is told time and time and time again, and this is starting to fall into that category. So that's a, that's a new thrill that's coming up. Uh, we'll be doing eight shows a week starting soon nice and then on the book front uh i have been really 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 lucky to uh have been working in the romance in a sort of major way i think romance now is taking up probably a solid three-fourths of my work uh, and i couldn't be happier because of it uh, i'm not sure if i had attended the indies invade philly uh, event before or after we chatted i think it was after because yeah. that was a huge solidifying moment bringing the the community into reality mm -hmm. you know there's like there's there's a certain aspect of the job that is you know very uh 
isolating. Uh, we as many emails as we send a day and talk to as many people through that form. It's not the same as seeing readers and listeners and authors and other narrators in person. And um, it just really kind of brought the whole the whole story together for me as what this industry is and what it can be and what it can mean for people, because it means a lot. Stories mean a lot to people. And I in that moment, I, I, I think I what was in my mind stories about romance and the genre became stories about people and the, the human connection in these stories, specifically in the romance genre and how important that is. That is something that I have now prioritized. And I really, really love being a part of the romance genre as a narrator and a participant. Um, yeah, it's been really thrilling to sort of see the deep depths of <laughs> our genre. Because, <laughs> you know, like what, before you before you read your first romance book, especially yep. as like, I don't know, a young dude, I was like, romance books, Fabio? Yeah. Question mark? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, see lifting behind the curtain and seeing what, what it really mm -hmm. means and the stories of love and people and companionship. It's the, it's the fruit of it all, right? Yeah. Like, I'm an actor. My whole, I've devoted my life to understanding people and trying to understand motivation of people and the way they use language and physicality to communicate. And it's all in, the, it's all in this genre. Yeah, it's, it's it, not just the romance side of things, but as far as relationships too, you have those, but you know, the friendships between the two characters or the family dynamics and how there's just so many different little aspects of it that it's it's nice to see more people diving into it and seeing that part versus just the Fabio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a space for Fabio. Fabio is a legend, right? Oh, like, yeah, I know. Of these, these One of the OGs. Legendary characters, you know. <laughs> Um, but I, I hear you and I agree with you. I really, I love a story that incorporates families, especially in some of these series where you play one brother and then the next book is the next brother. And, you know, I love, you know, when, when you see that thread and you, you read enough romance novels that when you see the thread of that sort of secondary character brother who like meets another secondary character and you're like, yeah, that's going to be a book down the line. Mm -hmm. I don't know when it's coming, <laughs> but I, I see it. It's going to happen. And as an narrator, you have a short panic of like, okay, how that, did I give that person a crazy voice? Can I do that right? for a whole book? <laughs> I know you're talking about that the last time about those moments where this, the character pops into fill in the blank scene just for two seconds. A, the listeners are like, we want their story. And they're like, they just literally said hi. That's it. Sometimes that's all it takes. Yep. But other times they're there for a little bit having a conversation and you don't know that they're going to potentially be. And you give them this weird, you know, like extra bubbly or higher pitch or lower pitch kind of voice. And then you're like, that's going to ouchie later if I have to do that book. <laughs> and I have learned, I've learned tactics and ways to allow that to influence a, you know, main character portrayal of a character that has a sort of higher or lower dynamic. Um, but it's fun. It's like, you know, it's, it's like, I see it like, you know, the first book is the, the first dot of the pen. And then you kind of make these cocentric circles. Is that the right use of that word? I don't know. A spiral. You keep spiraling out and these small towns grow and grow and grow. And you see, all the lives of all the different the outsiders in the town have their story the bar keeps the you know the inn managers it's just wonderful it's great i'm gonna go back to the great gatsby for a little bit so when you say immersive tell us a little bit more about that for those that may not know exactly what that means when it comes down to a play yeah totally so immersive it just means that the environment is designed to deliver an all-encompassing experience so from the moment that you walk into the theater uh, the theater is not 
uh, what we call a proscenium space. Proscenium meaning there's a, a stage in front of you and rake seats behind it. Uh, you walk into our playing space and you are in Gatsby's mansion. You are in his jazz bar and there's a big sprawling bar. Um, there's a whole pre-show where characters come through, but the action is going to take place around you. So you could be standing there and Gatsby could run by, ask you a question <clears throat> and then bring you into his office to do a scene with you and 10 other people. What I really love and I think is unique about our production. This is a production coming from London. Uh, created and directed by Alexander Wright. They've been sort of developing this piece for, for a number of years now, and they really have figured out the equation of involving the audience in a way that's not just doing the show around the audience. Some immersive theater can be done where it is simply happening around you and you just move around it and it's happening above and next to you. But in our show, every person who comes to see our show, they are at Gatsby's party. And so when we're pulling characters into small rooms, the goal is to bring them in as if they are party goers. And so we're doing the scene and we are giving you the full experience and story of The Great Gatsby down to all the nitty gritty of it. But we are leaning on you as, you know, as confidants, especially as Nick Carraway. Uh, I have a unique opportunity in the show in that, you know, especially with the book, you, you really see the world through Nick Carraway's eyes. And so I, I get to use characters as sounding boards because in a way, the way that I'm seeing a scene play out because so many of these characters are new to Nick in this world uh, is the way that the audience is seeing that. So I, you know, we could be, I could be doing a scene, Nick and Tom could be enwrapped in a scene together. Uh, and as Tom has a big you know, paragraph, a big sort of monologue as he boasts about, I could have a quick aside to a character, just sort of like checking in saying, oh, this is wild, you know, and, and really bringing them into the world as, you know, a new potential friend of Nick Carraway. And then find them later on in the show, bring them into another scene and have that rapport that we created in that first scene. There's just so many, there's so many possibilities. Yeah. We start to get some test audiences this week uh, so i'm really thrilled to start to incorporate that kind of stuff because right now we're we're in this giant playing space imagining the people around us now so, as uh, those people that you're bringing into the show with you as far as the the audience do they just kind of sit there and go you know it's a, it's all consent-based work so you know you will never be as an audience member asked to do anything that you don't consent to so you can choose not to answer you can choose to to abstain but in each of the small rooms there's places to sit you know there's and so we'll invite you into a room and have you sit down and the scene will take place around you and you can also choose to stay in the the big giant jazz bar space and if you stay in that space for the whole show you will still get the whole sort of tent pole moments, as I like to call them, the sort of big moments where you will understand by the end, you'll get all the moments of the great Gatsby, you'll know the story. Uh, and so we have, you know, chairs and tables for folks uh, who have mobility needs uh, that are diverse and would prefer to sit and see the show in that way. Uh, our goal is to give a show to anyone who, who wants to come experience it. Um. I would have been that girl that was, no, you don't say. <laughs> and that's great. That, you know, that we have some of the cast members that came in um, and worked with us from the original cast. And our, you know, when we're asking questions like, you know, what happens if an audience doesn't respond in the way that this sort of scene needs to? And the way that they told us, they're like, oh, those are the best nights. Because you do this show 100 and 120 times, you know, the nights when 
audience member, um, you know, doesn't respond in the way that you think they will, that forces you to really respond in the moment and have a real interaction with them. And so it's, uh, they're giving us all the tools to, to, to go at it, but it's, it's exciting. It's new. It's, I'm excited to be on stage again. You know, I'm an actor. This is my, this is my blood. This is my bread and butter. <laughs> yeah. But also I think too, is uh, because of that different reaction and the, just the different vibes of the audience side of things, it also kind of allows you to play off a little differently. And so it's almost like the play changes just a tiny bit every day. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. it's a, uh, you know, it's for, I think for, for deep, deep fans of the book, it's going to be a, a nice opportunity to expand on the world. Uh, you know, if it were, if we were doing the sort of the straight play of The Great Gatsby, you would see just what was happening on the pages happen in front of you. But because we expand the world and expand these characters, you get to see some nuances to them. The sort of expansive vision of a character that in a book would sort of fit an archetype. You get to see, you know, why they would and or the before moments of why they are this way in this moment in the book, you know. That's the kind of, that's the fun of immersive because it's all happening at the same time. I think we have like somewhere close to 14 hours of material. Our read through took like a day and a half and it all happens within, you know, around two, two and a half hours, but simultaneously. And wow. so, you know, our cues, have, we're, we're cueing each other. We have content that could overlap. There's, it's wildly complicated. <laughs> um, but you thrive, enough. yeah. I thrive <laughs> on this, man. I thrive on this. And it's like, you know, I've... I'm I'm narrating in the morning mm -hmm. in my booth, you know, eight inches from my mic, and then I'm switching my brain to performing in a giant ten thousand foot room to, you know, ostensibly two hundred people, and so my brain has this is really vacillating right now, but it's uh, it's I think it's it's making my narrations really alive right now. It's I feel so fueled by it. So you don't know this, but Great Gatsby is one of my favorite books. You have to come through. I know. I want to. Where's that sugar daddy we were talking about before? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, that's why I was asking because I've I've seen it on stage, uh, you know, locally here and watched the movies and, of course, read the books. And it's just one of my favorites. And even in high school, we had because, you know, it's <laughs> back in the day when we read books in school, uh, <laughs> it was... <laughs> I remember, I remember that time. Yeah, and it wasn't bands. But anyways, it was uh, one of those stories where a lot of the kids were like, "Ugh, it's not cool. And having to, having the teacher say, hey, Viv, you have this thing about being able to explain what these old stories are would be like in modern times. Like I, I had um, to explain Beowulf one time and I'm like, think of it as Jaws part three and uh, <laughs> Hercules. <laughs> As oh my as, gosh. You know, you know, where the jaws get the mama jaws gets all upset that you know, her son got killed and now she's going for revenge. And Hercules oh comes gosh. into the whole this like, you know, massive magic stuff and gods and the fight and the, the eyes were like, oh, I'm like, now you get it. Get it. And they're like, uh huh. I'm like, okay, that's right. She speaks <laughs> to the people. Let's go. So I had to do wow. something similar with the great Gatsby. And I'm like, okay, so it's funny though, if I had to do it now, what that would look like. Like, so you were watching a video on TikTok and. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a trippy thing, you know. Yeah, it's, uh... but it's a favorite of mine. So it's hearing all this stuff. And I was, I was so thrilled when you shared that you got cast in it. I was like, yay. It's <laughs> such a good, it's such a, I, it's a, one of the, the things that I love about books and the, the classics is being able to kind of revisit these in a different way based on the interpretation of the cast or if it's a movie 
or a TV show. Thank you, Bridgerton <laughs> and things like that. So it's fantastic. How has it, because you were in on stage, then did the whole narration via the pandemic. You kind of had to train your brain to turn off a little bit some of that stuff that you are so used to doing in the theater, but you can't do in a booth because noise and eight <laughs> inches away from a mic and projecting the emotion through your voice versus an expression that you would have given on stage. And and now you kind of have to go back to that. <laughs> you were telling us a little bit about that before. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's certainly a different, you know, it's like it's like a tool we refer to it as like the actor's tool belt, right? There's there's different ways to there's different ways to perform and certainly in the booth eight inches from a mic when your audience is quite literally sometimes centimeters away from your voice it requires a different tile style of performance um but at the end of the day it's all about just trying to be honest just trying to portray these characters honestly and different genres sort of can allow for a bit more you know sometimes the fantasy the fantasy books i can i can live a little bit larger in the characters um but for right now in this moment it really is it's a it's like a physicality switch you know using your body in a three-dimensional space versus trying not to move so your shirt doesn't make a like a ruffling noise um it really is it, it's a it's a mind warp but it's a good one because it's it's like you know the brain is so elastic and getting to stretch it in those opposite directions it just kind of it fills it connects the molecules in between and makes i think for really rich um, storytelling, at least I'm experiencing and clocking in my own performances with the books I'm working on right now is, uh, you know, you, when you do text work, whenever, you know, you, you sit down and you do text work for a play, there's, there's so many ways you can go about it. But, um, I really enjoy text work and just honing in on the, the verb, you know, adding, adding, adding intention on verbs and finding, you know, keywords and phrases. And my sort of brain has now been trained to naturally find these things with a bit more vibrancy. And so that's where I'm finding the translation happening right now with the work I'm doing with the stage piece and in the book narration, because you can scale all of that down and it is just as effective. Um, just getting a little bit of reverberation and spinning certain phrases and hitting those keywords. That's where I'm finding the tether to be. And I think I hope that that only serves for a more dynamic performance. That's the goal, at least. <laughs> <laughs> I have not heard any complaints. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure it'll happen. It's as I always say, if I, a narrator is like, it's like finding a therapist. It's like you got to It's just got to it's got to jive with your inner monologue. And there's no no harm, no foul if it don't. Yeah, but a lot of these characters that we're listening to and that you guys are performing, some are really in-depth individuals, others are a lot lighthearted if it's a rom-com, but there's still some stuff going on. And I know sometimes there's there's moments where you kind of have to downplay it a little bit and other times where you can just throw it in there. I know there's an author, a friend of mine that I love, when she does her books and it's a multicast, she tells her narrators, do it to the third balcony, which means belt it out there, put it out there, put yourself out there. Yeah. Because the performance is just like, so much better when you're giving it your all. My, granted, it's, if, the, if the paper says as you screamed, like, please don't scream in my ear. There's a sweet spot. Yeah. And you're right. There's also yeah. author preferences in the style that they want their book performed. And that is totally taken into account. In, in this in past year, I know that when we talked before about the genres that you get to perform in and things like that, within romance, there are so many different subgenres. Have you found that some of your preferences maybe has changed a bit as far as which ones? 
not that you don't love them any less or anything like that, but sometimes you just didn't have a chance to perform in that genre and you're going, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, ab absolutely. I enjoy the, the um, I, I did a second chance romance and I've, I was charmed by it. You know, I got to play this this sort of single father with these three young kids and a friend from childhood comes back into town and that's where the romance happens. But there was just something really going from, for me, I, I, I'm an action movie buff. I love these sort of big dramatic explosions and I love the ex-marine stuff when you're, it's just the, the action is entwined with the romance. Um, and then the first, the first title I did that was a bit more contained in the sort of uh the human connections mm -hmm. of a small town versus the sort of uh using the conflict of you know violence or something outside of the town itself to to move along the story just just the people themselves i found myself really enchanted by that so the uh i look forward to doing more second chance romances uh, i've gotten to play some more sunshine male main characters as of late and i i really like them i think that there's like there's something very sweet and, and disarming about those those characters, but also there's always a reason why they're putting that on. And I mm -hmm. think to get to play that sort of duality is really is really not fulfilling. Um, also did my first fantasy romance, which mm -hmm. was really fun. <laughs> I know you mentioned it before that you're like, oh, I would love to do a fantasy book. And I'm like, you just wait. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's I mean, that's like the true marriage of my favorites, right? I am a, I am a fantasy nerd at heart and in the fantasy romances, you get to play the fae and the beasts and there's creatures that come in. And that's when you can have a little bit more fun with those character voices. But then the stakes are just higher. Yeah, I find like with fantasy that that's like that's the only sort of transition is just everything's raised because there's a lot of life or death stuff that happens in fantasy romances, um, just because of the nature of the mythos and the creatures and the the settings of these these grand stories, but they're they're really fun as well. And the that one was uh, it was MMFMM, so it was you know romance uh, between different genders and crossing boundaries, and uh, it was the first time I had worked within that um parameter and it was it was wonderful so yeah those are those are the ones i i've been enjoying and i did i did a rom-com which was really really fun with mm -hmm. uh, lily valenti we did oh my gosh boss without benefits was so much fun <laughs> it was i was i was dying laughing in the booth I, I, there was just there were moments i had to take i set a step out of the booth because it was so funny what was happening so boy would i love to do more rom-coms you boy, have oh boy. A, yeah, you have a great sense of timing and your sense of humor is just fantastic. It makes sense that you would like the rom-coms just from that perspective. And you're it's also, go, go I, ahead. I was going to say, I go, as much as you love your action, things that go kaboom and all this other fun stuff, you're also very lovey-dovey romantic. So <laughs> well, that's very kind of you. I think it all, it comes down to like, you know, there's things that I enjoy and then there's things that I just am better cast for and, you know. I, it's just I like these I like the sweet nerd this there's there's something the meat cutes right it's the clumsiness yeah. of it all it's just so endearing and it's naturally fun to watch two clumsy people clumsy their way into love <laughs> you know I've realized for myself as a reader that as much as I love the assertiveness of some of these characters that are considered to be more alpha kind of things I prefer at least the character in human life as far as you know with his friends and stuff like that if he wants to be a dom in the bedroom that's a different conversation and uh you know with mm -hmm. his friends and stuff that is more you know traditionally what i would find to be someone that i would gravitate to which is that 
bit of that grumpy sunshine if he's sarcastic i'm like hello sir you know like <laughs> you're my friends you know but also being able to make me laugh and so having those clumsy moments i'm like yeah i totally would have fall on my head for that one because i have fallen down the flight of, not a whole flight of stairs but the last two steps it's always the last two steps right? oh <laughs> so it's because you're you got your mind on where you're going you're you're a, you're a you got places to go, you know, yeah. those last two steps, they get lost in the mix sometimes. Yeah, you know, wearing the glasses and the depth perception really just sucks too. But yes, I like your your version better. <laughs> <laughs> I got stuff to do, folks, in those last two. Stuff to do. You, got, you just got to get to it, you know? Yeah. And how are you finding keeping everything balanced? Because, you know, we see you a lot on social. I know some stuff is recorded in advance, but not with the play and the books and, you know, having to go grocery shopping. How, how do you do it? <laughs> it's uh, it's <clears throat> it's tough. Uh, it's tough. I'll be honest. Right now, it's particularly tough because uh, we're in the theater eight hours a day, six days a week, uh, which translate to 10 hours out of house when you include the commute. So I'm waking up pretty early to record. I see my wife for a hot second, make a breakfast, and then I leave and come back at 10. And that's how it's been for the last month. Now, once we go into performances, I will get my days back and I'll get to have a bit more time. But uh, it's tough, you know, you really have to. It's like conservation of energy. You have to really decide when to engage and how to engage. And I save I save that energy, that pool of energy for performance. So for when I'm in the booth. I give that everything that I have. And then when we're doing runs, I give that everything I have. So it's a, it's an active, it's an active process of choosing when to give everything. But yeah, it's tough. It's a, it's tough, but it's what you got to do. Right. And it's, I don't negate the fact that I've, I've been very fortunate this past year, as far as where things are taking off in the narration world. And there was a world where I could have just not booked anything for two months. And I was really apprehensive to saying no to working with these amazing new production houses and amazing new authors. And so I think <laughs> I found a way to Tetris it all in where I was able to say yes to some degree to everybody uh, to keep this momentum going forward while also still getting to dive into this theater process, which means so much. Uh, but, you know, it's a balance. Mm -hmm. It's a balance. Yeah, I've, I've had to learn and also teach, uh, you know, learning this earlier on in my own career within corporate world, the whole like saying no thing, it's, it's, you, you don't have to say no. And because, you know, executives don't like that. <laughs> I got into trouble a few times. Uh, <laughs> really? Like, well, yeah, because it's like sometimes people have these unrealistic expectations, right? In some cases, or schedules are just not going to work out because you have 15 different projects. So I learned instead of just saying no, it was, I would love to do that for you and be part of that unfortunately it could be like i can do it but based on other stuff that's going on right now if if you're okay with it doing it this timeline or moving it over here or help me manage this other stuff so i can get what you want done in that fashion it's just one of those where people just don't like to hear no but there's a way to modify that in hr verbiage <laughs> yeah for sure and and to be honest everyone who who i've worked with has been yeah. so giving in that way yeah. this process and being supportive of this the produ uh, the production houses and authors have been so good to me in that way where at the when i've had to shift something where if i've had to do something it was all there was so there's been so much support and again i'm lucky for that as well well communication is key and i've always told uh, authors too when they're we're talking about casting and they, they get a little shocked sometimes that you guys are booked out so far in advance 
And I'm like, that's that's called work and expect from a freelancer. That's how you keep your sanity, uh, yeah. <laughs> making sure you have work. But also when they're concerned about that time, I'm like, listen, option one is we wait because you want, you know, Rob to do the book. And, you know, that's the perfect fit. I, you know, I, I agree with that. So option one is we wait until he has availability, <laughs> do other things in the interim or we see about other persons. And they're like, no, but I want Rob. I'm like, I guess we're waiting then. huh? <laughs> <laughs> and we will always do everything in our power yep. to get the project done as soon as possible. But you yeah. know, we also want to give realistic timelines so no one is getting shafted or. Yeah, you know, but also you, if you're stressed out, as a performer and you're tired, you overdid it, whether at the theater or in the booth, and now your voice is shot. I would rather wait and get the best time from you perspective versus getting either aiding and, and making you not well, which is never the goal, but also getting a performance that may not be the best out of you because of all that stuff. Yeah. And well, you know, I mean, I speak for myself, but I'll always, if it's a matter of vocal health or it's kind of something that's going to affect the performance, there'll always be a conversation of waiting to get that performance. And I am firmly choosing Mondays. Mondays is going to be my day off moving forward. And that is going to be a no work Monday. Nice. Which is going to be hard for me to stick to, <laughs> but I think I'm really going to work. I'm going to push myself to stick to it. Okay. I'm one of those people who will. I will Good. just stay up all night to finish something, but mm -hmm. it's not healthy. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on being better about that. <laughs> I'm going to do some graphics and just shoot them to you every once in a while. No work Monday. No work Monday. Yeah, maybe that'll be my sticker I can mention. Yes. <laughs> that could be but, some you of your swag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's a balance, you know, it's like these are good. They're all good problems, right? It's, it's, yeah. To have work is a is a good thing. It's a great thing. It is. But um, I, as someone that also mm, needs to have something like that, in front of me and still like but i can probably still do it that's right just check that voice you gotta check yeah. that voice yeah i'm like i need a break i can't come up with anything new right now oh, that's <laughs> right because you're burning the candle on both ends in the middle <laughs> so it, it's it's but it's a great thing to have and i know that the readers the you know the conversations i have been privy to and on socials, they're all loving on you. So that's great. And I love oh, that for that's you. That's kind of you to say. Community rules, right? The communities, it's half of it with mm -hmm. this industry. It is. So now that you've done this a lot longer, what are some of your favorite things about being a narrator? Some of my favorite things about a narr being mm -hmm. a narrator. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it, at its base level, as selfishly an actor, I get to perform so many characters. I get to perform a wide range of accents and dispositions because you know as a narrator you get cast in the main point of view which is a general reflection of someone that you could be cast in and then all the side and tertiary characters that come up in the book that's where the real sort of like wild energy and fun is because like yeah, i'll play you play the old lady next door or the like the tiny raccoon that has you know a jetpack like there's just there's those are so much fun to do as an actor and you know, walking into the world of voice acting as well. It's like, oh man, this, I love that about narrating. Something else, and I kind of touched on this earlier, but with, with novels and with books, I mean, it's all, there's stories, right? I mean, I've, I've committed my life to being a storyteller and the core of all of it is, is just companionship, I think, is the way that people choose to express companionship you know like with love language mm -hmm. people choose to express the way they love in physical ways and in verbal ways and every author is so different in the way that they sort of unpack the thought process of each of these main characters 
And every book is a character study on a different person that exists out there in the world and getting the perspective on how someone's day might be going. You know, I, I firmly believe in meeting new people from out, out in the real world, just assuming that they could be having the worst day of their life because you never know what someone's going through and just trying to give them good energy. And with books, it's just, you know, it's tenfold because these characters are going through wild things. Just, it's insane. You know, when doing a piece, I had a teacher once um, who had this mantra of, you know, you're thinking about a character and a scene or the play. It's like, okay, why, why is this play happening today? Why is this scene happening today? What's happening in this character's life that is so unique about this day? Because there's always something unique about the day, the meet cute, the, the this, the travel, whatever is happening that's making these characters meet in this day and getting to sort of, I like to just sort of think wistfully about all these things that are happening out in the world after I read them in a book. So that's mm. the little dreamer in me, which loves mm -hmm. narrating those kind of stories. Um, it's also, as an actor, it's a, it's really nice. It's more than nice. It's, it's empowering to have a bit of equity and ownership over your performance. Um, you know, the process of being a stage actor or even in film, you put yourself out there in auditions and you throw, you throw the auditions out there and you, you do the best you can by throwing things out there, but it's, you're waiting for someone else to sort of snag your line and, and call you in where with, with narration and being a narrator, I found a lot of fun and empowerment in creating a brand and creating, um, you know, my voice and choosing the stories that I want to tell. I just, I feel like I have ownership as an artist, which is not something that they teach you is really possible. Um, and so it's a really, I'm something I'm very grateful for every day that I get in the booth. Um, and then the conventions, like, you know, going to the conventions and meeting the community, it's, you know, when you do a show, you see people after the show, sometimes they hang around, you check in, but you don't really know how someone's being affected. You know, it, it, you could have a great show and feel like everything, everything crushed. And then you leave and, you know, you find that it was just didn't connect with someone or you could leave after having what you thought was a terrible show and someone's waiting outside and in tears because they were so affected by it. But with the books, like there's, People are very vocal about how they're affected by the stories um, for all, you know, for better and for worse. It's all, you know, experience. It's all their human experience and listening to the story. But it's uh, it's really nice to talk to listeners and authors in person as well, just to see how these characters resonate, because it's it's only one performance that they get, which is the trippy thing. Um, you just get one shot at giving the performance and that same performance is given to everybody who listens to the audiobook and so it it kind of um there's there's that the sanctity of that performance and the text becomes even more precious and so there's a there's you know with a with a theater process there's so much play and trying you know take okay let's try the scene this way let's try the scene this way let's see how it works with an audience but when you're in the booth and you're recording, it's like, okay, I'm going to give this my full attention and I'm going to give my full self to this so that I can give an honest performance that is going to be the one that lasts the test of time. And so it's, uh, you know, it's high stakes, but that's, that's thrilling. That's really thrilling. Um, 
boy, did I just talk in a whole bunch of circles, but that's my general answer. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. Well, but that, with that last point too, you're giving us that solid one performance and then us as listeners are taking it in so many different ways, right? Yeah. Based on on how we're, we're what mood we're in, what we are reflective of, what's coming up, how that scene may have touched us, or if we, we, we knew a guy like that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, I've been in those shoes, that sucks. Or, oh yeah, I've been in those shoes. Yeah, girl, go. So, it's catharsis right yeah. I mean, that's the point yeah. of it all mm -hmm. but the one thing that stays constant is your performance though that did not change it's how we're listening to it and that and then being able to go to these conferences for an example and just have that moment with you and just say oh my god xyz book was fantastic i loved it you know and uh yeah just getting to hang out that's good i know that you're you're thinking i think you mentioned you're going um a couple of do you have some stuff coming up that you're going to as far as conventions <clears throat> Yeah, I will be at Indies Invade Philly this year. Uh, I think that's probably the only one that I'll be able to get away from the show to do, just because it's local, it's really easy to get to. Um, and next year, TBD, I might be taking some more time to go and really be present at these conventions because they seem so much fun. They seem so great. <laughs> but for sure, 100%, Indies Invade Philly in October, mm -hmm. I believe. Which it yes. might be sold. I might have sold out. I think it's sold minutes. out. I think it's sold out. Yeah, we're <laughs> the the community is just so voracious in wanting to people and just be able to connect with uh, you know book friends and meet the authors and share their their love for them and the same thing with the 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 narrators at the events that they have them there that it it's selling out. Plus, also some of these venues are smaller than others, so they'll sell out a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, it was we'll... it did seem very much uh, the perfect size last year. Uh, yeah. Granted, it was my only sort of perspective on the convention side, but it was uh, it was it seemed like we all got to see who we mm -hmm. wanted to see. Yeah. One of those rare occasions where size does matter. And... Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Bigger is not always better. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's how Nana. it's used. I mean, seriously. <laughs> you, 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 you. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, a lot of um. It used to be that we had the, the RT Book Lovers Convention, which was, you know, uh, the biggest. I mean, which, which one? RT Book Lovers Convention. It doesn't happen anymore. It was Romance Times. It used to be a magazine uh, and they started doing conventions. And it was like a five day thing. And it was wowza. had different tracks for, you know, inspiring authors, uh, established authors, uh, up and coming, all these different things, including marketing information stuff. And narrators started going to it towards the end of it because, like I said, it's no longer... Um, around but that was like the big that was the it's convention for people to go to in the book community because it also did reader events so we had panels for readers and authors and narrators that you know doing things and parties and stuff like that and those were huge but you because it was five days you still found time to go grab a beer with someone at the lobby or hang out mm -hmm. and go lunch a lot of, now these events are just like a day in some cases or two yeah. And you're scrambling and things like that. So sometimes having it to be in a bigger place where there's more people going and more authors, you're like, it's just not enough time. You have that, you know, that uh, <laughs> stayed by the bell moment. I have no time. There's yes, never exactly. enough time. <laughs> it's nice when there's a sort of informal socials afterwards yeah. or at least sort of gathering points. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that we'll be having more events that are um, not so much official signings, but more like, hey, let's get together, whether it's a author doing like a reader group, you know, gathering um, and I know there's been some talk about having narrators attend more of these events and figuring out how you guys can fit in with what the original thought process of the event may have been. And so it's all fun. Cool.
Yeah. So I'm looking forward to being able to get my hug from you one of these days. You're going to get it. <laughs> I will run. I'm gonna, it's, uh, it's going to be the airport moment where I'll just oh. run. I'll be running in slow motion. Dun, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> go, go. As long as you don't make it into one of those rom-coms where you end up slugging me to the floor. <laughs> no, you'll be doing the you'll be doing the dirty dancing lift to me. Oh no, be, yeah, no, no, no. So, well, don't worry. Well, you have time. You have time to practice rehearsal. Oh, it's, okay, okay. It's because just is, expect yeah. it. Just expect got it. it. Okay, yeah. And when you hear that moment in the in the movie with the music, I'm like, okay, got it. We'll have to plan yep. that out. <laughs> I, I, I got you. I got you. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Loving the love. Yeah. Uh, no. I want to play a game with you called Two Truths and a Lie. See how fun okay. it's going to be. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to tell me three things about yourself of which one is a lie, but I have to figure out which one it is. So this is always a, like, let's see how well I actually do know you or let's not. See, how and, well uh, do you know me? Yeah. <clears throat> mm -hmm. All right. Two truths and a lie. <laughs> All right. Um, in no particular order. Mm -hmm. In between dance classes uh, and children's theater when I was a kid, I played soccer growing up. Um, another one, I am wildly afraid of being in open water. And another one, I, uh, once scaled the clock tower in New York and etched my name on the clock's face. Okay. <laughs> Those are your three. <laughs> Damn. Oh, oh, Jesus. You did good. Hmm. Let's see. Played soccer growing up, oh. afraid of open water, water. scale the clock tower. Mm -hmm. Time starts now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, it's one of those details, details. Because all right, can you? All right, choose, can you do you know which one? Can you find one of the truths? Oh yeah, that's a good way to go about it. Um, hmm. Oh, fear the in the open water is one of your. I am. So yep. afraid of being yeah. in open water. <laughs> yep. My God. I I was when I was in high school, I had some surgery done and I was laid up during Shark Week. Oh, and God. I watched every <laughs> single Shark Week program that there was. And oh, I love the beach. I'm a huge beach guy. I love the mm -hmm. water, but there's something about being in murky water or deep water. You can't see the bottom. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm done. I'm done with that. <laughs> I mean out. <laughs> Well, thankfully, there's not a whole lot of reasons why you would end up being in that, you know, scenario as far as being in the open water that far out. This but, is true. Uh, well, then, but then sometimes you have a really adventurous wife who wants to go offshore snorkeling, and you, you <laughs> gather all your, you gather all your gusto that you can, and yeah. you do it. And mm -hmm. it was a wonderful time. But then seeing the drop off where like mm. the shelf was was <gasps> the most terrifying moment of my life. I. There was a quick anecdote. We were on this little boat with a family, you know, uh, and, and it was just Lizzie and I. And the the mother of this family was equally as stressed out as I was. And we were like, okay, great. We got each other. We'll keep checking in with each other and it'll be great. And so we're going through it. And it's actually quite lovely seeing fish, seeing fish. But as you, as this route that they were taking us, the ocean floor was getting farther and farther away. It went from like, ooh, ooh, nice tropical reef. Ooh, finding Nemo moment to like, mm -hmm. ooh, it's getting a little darker. And then this deep, swelling darkness appears in front of you that just goes on absolutely forever. And I see this woman booking it back in my direction. And then I see what she's swimming away from. I start booking away and we both go to the boat and we got to know each other real well after <laughs> while they were doing their swim towards the thing. And we were just chatting about how happy we were to not be near that crazy dark edge into hell abyss. Yeah. 
no I, I've, I've been in one of those situations being from you know here in florida we have some of those not even that far deep out into the ocean some of those are pretty close to us where you're going walkie walkie where did the land go Woof. and no, yeah yeah no thank you yeah and uh but it, that 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 deep yeah it's a uh, interesting where the coloring too happens but you're like you, it, there is no you know where that drop is mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you're going yes you do you're like no nope, i'm okay over here <laughs> where's my pina colada please get me back to my pina colada <laughs> so now you know that about me yep. mm -hmm. yeah but so that's the truth um is the lie the one that about skiing the clock tower uh that is true there was a no. period in my let's say my adult adolescence when i was in college in the city where i would go and climb scaffolding uh and i would just go out in the city and there i would climb scaffoldings and go hang out on water towers mm -hmm. have a nice little moment and there was a clock tower in the west village that was under sort of scaffolding construction for a while and a buddy and i you're hearing my stomach rumble because it's breakfast time uh, a buddy and I scaled the scaffolding around this clock tower and we stood like gargoyles on the gargoyles on top of this clock tower and our names are etched in there forever. And every time I pass this, you know, nine story clock tower in the village, I think about that day. Hmm. I feel what in God's name was I thinking of to do such a thing? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, see, I, could, I could see you doing the climbing part. It was the etching of your name on there. That I was a little bit like, hmm. Well, I say etched. Yeah. But we, okay, so we, we it was in pencil. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to sound cooler than I really was. All we had was a pencil. So we, which, so it's not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's no damage done. <laughs> but we put our names in pencil and we felt strong about it. Yeah. See, that's not believable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as cool as I want to be. Okay. No, right. but, but seriously, I could have totally envisioned you climbing and doing that, you know, as far as the whole, look what I can do. And also a bit of that risk thing and, and action pack stuff that you like to do. It was that whole, like, right. You know, defacing stuff like that, even if it was tiny, I'm like, oh, it doesn't sound a whole lot, like not permanently anyways, but yeah. Yeah. Just a little pencil. And it was one of those clicky pencils. And so the tip kept breaking, but now you know now you're like really know the truth of it but yeah in but my i love mind it. i'm up there forever <laughs> yeah but yeah but you did it you climbed you did that you stood on the gargoyles and I did. you did yeah oh, it was wild yeah you'll climb up that way where you can fall to your depths and of death and stuff but not the ocean yeah. it's not responsible i do not endorse this this is not good it was trespass this was not a horrible behavior on my part but it was a mess memory you know sometimes you do mm -hmm. things that just in retrospect you would just never do again and certainly yeah. wouldn't tell anyone else to do so not mm -hmm. endorsed anyone yeah. who's listening no 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 yeah. <laughs> which means my lie was i did not play soccer growing okay. up mm -hmm. i played two games of soccer in my life twisted my ankle both times uh <laughs> never played again i played ice hockey growing up in between dance class i would i would I would change into my hockey gear in the back of my dad's sedan mm -hmm. from my like tights from ballet and I would be changing into my goalie gear in the back seat and arrive just in time for games. And this was this was my childhood. Wow. That's also a complete like left field concept, right? Because here you are dancing and you're having to take care of your body, making sure that, you know, 
twisted ankles, broken toes or whatever. That way you can continue mm-hmm. to move straight into hockey where you're getting banged up and thrown on the ice and, you know, sharp objects are by your face. Sharp <laughs> objects, yes. But for what it's worth, I was a goalie. So I was very, very padded and mm-hmm. my flexibility was a boon. And mm-hmm. uh, I didn't deal with a lot of like the the sort of violence that happens on the ice mm-hmm. with the exception of you know a small piece of rubber being shot at me 70 miles an hour but that was bearable that was doable yeah, yeah. especially without that padding but yeah i can see you that would definitely have you be a, a goalie with your dance background being able to move fast yeah my teammates always gave me crap because i would just sing show tunes in the net i mean <laughs> i was like a theater kid i was like a theater kid growing up but i loved mm-hmm. playing hockey yeah and so i would just be kind of goofing and goosing and so you you do realize there is an author listening to this taking notes <laughs> because right now funny enough hockey has had a research it's a revival yeah. yes i mean it, it, i i said it before to somebody else that i was talking to a couple of days ago where i find it fascinating where everybody's like loving on the hockey right now as if it's never been done before but it has and i'm like where have you guys been and but now it's on a re- this like real re- you know revival and so now someone's gonna write that that uh goalie that you is know, also you, dancing you, you <laughs> the, dancing goal- the goalies were always we were always like the strange birds whenever we would travel with the teams you know mm-hmm. you spend a night in the hotel with all the dads and the kids and everyone would be up in the halls playing you know foot hockey with like a hacky sack right you're mm-hmm. like you know 20 teenage prepubescent boys throwing a hacky sack around but there, I'll never forget. I'll never forget one time. This was all happening, and I just wanted to go downstairs. And there were, there were three. There was like a dad and a kid, dad and their son, in the like area where the breakfast happens, mm-hmm. and like everybody was kind of just hanging out and like playing with the milk cartons. And I remember, I met the this is such a weird story. We're just we're just the weird. We were drinking the milk, the little flavored creamer cartons. And it was the three goalies at this like tournament and we were all the strange birds and we were all just hanging out in the like breakfast area drinking these weird milks while all the other kids were like wanting running wild upstairs Mm -hmm. so we're a strange bunch us goalies whether we're singing show tunes Mm -hmm. drinking milk you know yeah well they've they've written the story where the hockey player has to take some form of dance class to be either as a punishment or some form of getting that flexibility in there i would just love it to have it be where they're they own it and they love it and that's also why they play hockey because of that gift that's just my life that's just the story of my life if you (laughs) you get cast on it you're like hey (laughs) you know oh gosh (laughs) that's fantastic though seriously authors which ones are you writing this come on that's right (laughs) golden that's right yeah Goodness. Uh, before we go, can you tell us what you're currently working on and what's coming up next for you? Uh, yes, uh, I'm very excited. I have my first um, collaboration with Lauren Blakely coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a duet with Samantha Brentmore and J.F. Harding, Double Pucked, a hockey romance, uh, Speak of the Devil. Uh, <laughs> so that is something that is uh, that's a big, 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 exciting thing. Uh, I've got a number of books with Samantha Brentmore this summer coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is exciting. I can't speak about all the titles, but there's some shifter romances coming out. I have a romance in full Irish narration that's coming mm-hmm. out. French pirate situation coming out. Some really fun romances that are like in the post-production stage right now that I'm excited for the release to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's great. I do love your Irish. So it's I'm like, yay! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's fun to do. 
Yeah. And also paranormal is my, my sweet spot for, for that. So now I'm like, okay, shifters. So, okay. Adding that to the list. Yeah. Shifters are fun. Shifter yeah. romances. I've done a, a few of them this mm -hmm. past year and I'm like, I'm into it. Because mm -hmm. it touches, it gets, you get a little bit of everything, you know, you get the pack mentality, but then usually there's some, there's either like vampires or fae, there's this other supernatural aspect to it, which mm -hmm. is fun.com. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of possibilities. I mean, like, traditionally it was always just like the, you were seeing the pack as far as the wolf packs and they've gotten into uh, like Donna Grant who writes dragons and a couple of other ones have had different shifters and then. They busted out with a squirrel, and I'm like, "Y'all are a squirrel right. shifter? No, you're yeah, no, no I'm no. not kidding. That yeah. is incredible. Oh my gosh, that's so fantastic. It's, especially that's... when it's the hero of the story, and he's like not you know tall, good looking, buff, and then squirrel. <laughs> oh my god, that I want to listen to that. I know, me too. Today. That's I'll just send you the title. Please, uh, please yeah, do. perfect. Rob, thank you so much again for being here and coming back to the series. Love and adore you so much. So thank Please. you. Please. It's so mm -hmm. much fun. I love talking to you. I love talking <laughs> about books with you. You're so kind to have me on here. Thank oh, you. Oh, yeah. Y'all, you're welcome. Thank you again for all that you do to the for the community and all the awesome stuff that's going to be coming out. And break a leg at, uh, at the Great Gatsby. And um, let's see if I can try to make it. I would love to see that and be part of that. It's yeah, you have to let me know if you're coming through. Yeah, because that's going to be like, I know the guy. <laughs> that's right that's right yeah you also probably tell me like behave i'm like okay fine <laughs> that, that's right yes that's right that's right as well <laughs> okay news. um everyone thank you for hanging out with us today i'm going to make sure to include all of the um of the social so you guys can follow him if you're not already seriously you need to it's great content um and that information will be over at the main landing page of the audible loving series at viviana enchantress of books and until next time happy listenings Cheers. A special thank you to authors DJ Krimmer, Tana Stone, Landon Beach, PJ Fiala, and all of our sponsors of the Audiobook Lovin' 2023 series. Visit today's episode post to listen to sound clips of some of the books we discussed and enter the month-long giveaway. If you enjoyed the Audiobook Lovin' podcast series and you want more, join the Audiobook Lovin' podcast Patreon for early access to podcasts, exclusive content like the Would You Rather game and dinner party guests, and additional incentives such as bloopers, graphics, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobooklovin'. Thank you for joining Viviana and her guests for this podcast, and we hope you tune in again as we continue to celebrate Audiobook Month. The Audiobook Lovin' series is hosted by Viviana, the Enchantress of Books. Please make sure to visit the main page linked within the post to learn more about the entire Audiobook Lovin' series and the enchanting author and narrator guests who have joined us over the years. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a review wherever you listened. And please follow us on social media platforms and subscribe to the Viviana the Enchantress of Books newsletter. Until next time, happy listening. Audiobook Lovin' hopes you have enjoyed this program.